hard to believe that we're already at the fourth session in the, this series on the sayings of Jesus. Um, this has been so good. And the reason it's good is because it's so where God wants us to be. Um, I don't know if you remember, but each week I've been trying to uh, remind us of why we're doing this series, the sayings of Jesus. And here's another reminder today, and I'd like you to look with me into Matthew 17, 5. You might remember that Jesus and um, James and John and Peter were with him on a mountain. And while they were with him, his body became transfigured. I think probably he took on a, his heavenly body for just a short period of time. And... Um, Moses and Elijah were standing there with him and they were talking together. And then this cloud comes and covers them. And it's almost like the cloud of, of, that was in the temple that would fill the temple when the Lord's presence would fill it and they couldn't go in. And um, so this cloud, out of this cloud uh, comes a voice and it's the voice of God. And here's what he says. Uh, the last part of, of verse 5. This is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. Listen to him. Why are we studying the sayings of Jesus? Because God told us to listen to him. And we need to. You know, had God not said those words, we would still need to listen to Jesus. He's God's son. And he told us as when he was on earth that his words are spirit and they're life. So we listen for that reason. And uh, today our passage is from Matthew 11, 28 through 30. And we're going to uh, gain a little context before we get into the actual passage. So let's begin in Matthew 11, verse 28. Jesus is... Um, uh, He's going to begin this, this passage with these words, come to me. And um, that's so important. I, I can't think of anything that the world needs to do more than that, to come to Jesus. Just those three words um, are the gospel almost in themselves. Come to me. <laughs> if we would come to him, we would have so much. But here's the context uh, building up to that verse. And let's start in verse 21. So Jesus is speaking about cities that he's been to that um, he did many miracles in. And um, the people of the city saw the miracles but never repented. They never changed and uh, so he says, woe to them. Woe to you, Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida. Bethsaida was the, the city or the town that James and John and Peter were from, or ja uh, Peter, James and John and uh, Philip were from. And uh, so he says, for if the miracles that were performed in you had been performed in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. And so... Um, Jesus is saying, um, you wouldn't come to me, basically. I came to you, and I gave you many signs of, of uh, the reality of God, and you wouldn't come. You wouldn't come to me. Well, let's go on to verse 25. 
Jesus says, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and have revealed them to little children. Little children came to him. And because of their simple faith, he revealed to them things that he would not even reveal to the wise and learned. So that's saying something to us about the kind of person, the kind of qualities we need to have in our life to be able to come to Jesus, first of all, and to receive from him. We need to be like little children. Verse 27. Jesus said, all things have been committed to me by my father. No one knows the son except the father, and no one knows the father except the son and those to whom the son chooses to reveal him. If we want to know about God, we need to come to Jesus. And so this next passage <clears throat> is um, even more important and even more significant when we consider what we've just read. The cities that would not come to Jesus, the children that would, and Jesus being the source of all that we can know about God. Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Let's go back to the first of those verses. Come to me. <clears throat> all you who are weary and burdened. The weary and burdened of that day would have been, first of all, people who were physically weary and burdened. Most of, common, of the common person of that day worked from sun, sun up to sundown, and they worked to be able to eat at the end of the day. Their wage was enough to cover food for the day. And uh, you think about life like that, putting day after day of that kind of schedule together, and you've got weary and burdened people. And then if they want to do anything uh, personal in terms of building a house or adding any kind of value to their life, it's on top of a an extremely um, wearisome work schedule. And uh, with the uncertainty of, of no money, if they don't work, they, they're not paid. No paid vacations, no insurance for health reasons. And so um, there's a weary and burdened populace that Jesus was speaking to. And he was saying, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened just from life. Do we have any people today that are weary and burdened just from life? And I would say, yes, we do. What about the, the spouse who's a 24-hour, seven-day-a-week caregiver to a spouse who perhaps has dementia or has some other life-controlling illness? Um, that's a, though often done in, in, in love, uh, it's a weary and burdensome existence. And Jesus is saying, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. What about um, 
the parents of a young, of, of a young family and just the demands of, of children and a, a mother who can't ever get away from the children. The only possible time in the day is when she's in the bathroom. And, uh, and the children and the demands of a home. Um, I, I think of Jesus saying to a, a young parent, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. And just um, the cares of life. Some of us are worried and concerned about a lot of things. And Jesus would say to us, come to me, you who are weary and burdened. People of that day were weary and burdened spiritually as well as physically. Um, I'd like you to read a passage from Luke chapter 11, and uh, we'll get an idea of some of the things that were going on. Jesus replied, and you experts in the law, woe to you, because you load people down with burdens they can hardly carry, and you yourselves will not lift one finger to help them. What he's referring here to here is um, the religious leaders of the day, the religious teachers who interpreted the law in such a strict way that the people who were listening and were trying to do what God wanted them to do, if they carried out all the demands that these teachers were laying on them, um, they would be burdens that were so heavy that they couldn't carry them. And Jesus said, then you teachers aren't lifting one finger to help them. So people were weary spiritually. They were told you need to do this and this and this to measure up and they couldn't do it. And they felt like they were constantly falling short and they were weary and they were burdened with their striving to be pleasing to God. Jesus was calling to them. Today, um, many of us are weary, weary and burdened in that way through maybe what we've been taught, maybe how we've been raised, perhaps just through um, the ways that the enemy even has worked in our lives. We've thought that uh, being pleasing to God requires all of this stuff. And we're working so hard to be pleasing to him, feeling like we're never measuring up. And Jesus is calling to us and saying, come to me, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. What about the guilt-ridden? I don't think anything is so burdensome as um, feeling guilty and feeling like you can never get rid of it. Um, the psalmist in Psalm 38, 4 said, my guilt has overwhelmed me like a burden too heavy to bear. That's such a great picture that fits so well with what Jesus was saying. And that's true. Guilt is, is a burden that's very hard to bear. Sometimes the guilt is real. Sometimes the offense has been great. And a person who has never experienced forgiveness and the freedom of Christ is um, carrying that weight, and it's a, it's a difficult burden to bear. And then there's uh, false guilt, guilt that has been laid on um, that is not merited. And we're guilty over things that 
we should not be guilty for. And it's the work of Satan. We too are burdened and weary and we need to come to Jesus to be free. 2 Corinthians 7.10 says this about um, our guilt. And I'd like you to, to look at this. Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leads no regret. But worldly sorrow brings death. And so um, Paul is talking here about the kind of guilt. And he's saying, yes, there's, there's a genuine guilt that leads us to repent. And then we're free. We come to God and we say, I'm sorry, Lord, for what I've done. And he gives us his forgiveness and then gives us hope for a new life. And there's no regrets. And we can, we can go on and live life knowing that, that Jesus paid it all. And those sins have been forgiven. And I can have a new life. If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creature. The old has passed away and the new has come. But worldly sorrow brings death, Paul says. So the sorrow of the world without Christ, the, the guilt that they carry is nothing but um, downward and it brings death. And people either carry that and, and never get free or they, they build walls and defenses and they try to forget through uh, throwing themselves into other things. But the, the root cause of it is never, never taken care of. Jesus is saying to them, Come to me. Let's look at the last half of verse 28. Just simple words. After Jesus says, come to me, he says, and I will give you rest. Just to gain a context for what Jesus might have meant by rest. I, I love those words. And don't you love those words? Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Aren't you looking for rest today? Um, I'm looking for rest, and I, I believe that we have it in Jesus. And um, when he was speaking about rest, I think he was speaking about two things. In Scripture, when you see the word rest, very often it has to do with the Sabbath. The Sabbath was a gift of God to um, his people. Uh, sometimes we, we view it um, because it was so often misused, um, we view it as a bad thing, but it was a very good thing. It was meant to be a freeing thing, to give people the, the freedom to have a day off and not to be bound to their work seven days a week. Uh, God himself rested in creation and giving us the example and the freedom also to rest. Rest is a good thing. And the Sabbath was the picture of the ideal rest when everyone would rest together and there would be no work. And there could be time for family. There could be time for God. Uh, rest was a, a beautiful thing. There was another way in which the word rest is used in the scripture. And that is freedom from enemies. Freedom from enemies. Um, and so uh, today, if we're coming to God and we're coming for rest... One thing that God is going to do and Jesus will do is to free us from our enemies and particularly from the enemy of our soul and that being the devil. John 
in his epistle says this in 1 John 3, 8. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. And so Jesus came to destroy the devil in our lives. He's our enemy. He's our chief enemy. And he came to destroy his work in our life. So the rest that Jesus is wanting to bring is freedom from the devil. He's wanting to free us from his temptations to sin and giving us the power over those temptations. He's wanting to give us forgiveness for the sins that we've committed. He's wanting to give us a new life. It's a beautiful rest that we have through Jesus. Verse 29 takes a a little different uh, turn, and, and I want us to think this through. Now, he's just said, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. And I can imagine people at this point are thinking, yes, I want to lift, I want to lift this heavy yoke off of my shoulders. And the very next words out of his mouth are, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. And I can, I can imagine a person saying, take a yoke upon me. I'm trying to get rid of a yoke. But Jesus says, I'm gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Let's talk about some of those elements. When you study the scripture and you study the word yoke and you just follow that through the Old Testament and the New Testament, uh, the primary use of the word yoke in the Bible was to describe the relationship between a subservient nation to a a domineering nation. And to give you an example of that, let's look at Jeremiah 2711. And this will, uh, I think, help you see how it's used in the scripture. But if any nation will bow its neck under the yoke of the king of Babylon and serve him, I will let that nation remain in its own land to till it and live there, declares the Lord. Okay, this... We won't get into the meaning of this passage as such, but you can see that the use of the word yoke is to describe uh, the, the relationship that Israel would have to the king of Babylon. The king of Babylon would be like a yoke over the nation of Israel. So what Jesus is saying, if we could go back to verse 29, he's saying... Um, Become subservient to me. Like a nation, a a weaker nation would be subservient to a stronger nation. Become subservient to me. That's what it means to, to take a yoke upon yourself from someone. And learn from me. You have to be in submission to someone to learn from them. If you're in rebellion to, let's say, your father, you're not going to learn anything from him. But if you're submissive to him, there's so much to learn. And Jesus gives this qualifying statement. He says, I'm gentle and humble in heart. I'm gentle and humble in heart. And, And so he's taking the sting out of this idea of putting another heavy weight on their shoulders. He's saying, no, no, this is different. I'm gentle and humble in heart. You've been used to these 
teachers of the law that have demanded so much from you and created such a heavy burden. I'm different than that. The great example that I think of of Jesus uh, as gentle and humble in heart is um, when he was um, teaching and the teachers of the law and and the Pharisees come and they, they throw in front of him this woman that they've caught in the act of adultery. What a what an uncaring, you know, granted that sin, but what, a, what an awful thing to do. And so they, they throw this woman in front of him and they say, this woman's been caught in the very act of adultery. And in our law, it says that we should stone her. What, what do you say? Jesus stoops down starts writing in the sand. We don't know exactly what he said. There's a lot of theories about what he might have written. And then he says, whoever is without sin, let him be the first one to throw the stone. And as he's writing in the sand, he hears these thuds, thud, thud, thud all the men dropping their stones. And he looks up, and it's just him and the woman. And he says, woman, where are your accusers? And she says, they're gone. And Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. That is gentleness. That is a humble heart. And that's the kind of yoke that Jesus is saying, take that yoke on me and learn from me. If we could go back to 29 again, I I want to uh, talk about one more thing. Jesus says, and you will find rest for your souls if you take my yoke on you. Uh, When you study the word soul, in the way that Jesus used it. He used it in, in two senses, and it seems to be used in two senses throughout Scripture. Sometimes the word soul refers just to our, our physical life. And, um, you know, our soul is our life. It's our daily activities and so forth. But there's another usage for soul, and Jesus uses both. And in this case, he's using this second meaning for soul. Soul in in some cases means the inner man, the part of a person that will live forever. It's the inner person. And so Jesus is saying, when you take my yoke upon you and learn from me, um, you'll find rest for your inner person. We're not just talking about getting a day off. We're not just talking about an extra hour of sleep that makes you feel better, but we're talking about Rest for that uneasiness inside of you that was caused by sin or caused by guilt. Um, And you're free from that. And you're going to have rest for your souls. And uh, let's go on to verse 30 because this takes another turn in this saying that is quite unusual. Um. The other obvious use for the word yoke 
in the Bible is a physical sense that uh, sometimes the Bible is actually physically talking about oxen and yokes and, and farming. And uh, so um, I'm sure that some people would contend for thinking of yoke in one way and some contend for thinking of yoke in another way. But as Jesus ends this saying, he says, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And here he's almost certainly using the imagery of actual oxen and the yoke that would have been placed on them for their work. Because he uses this word easy, and it really means suitable. For my yoke is suitable, and my burden is light. How suitable? The, the yoke that was worn by oxen in the time of Jesus were, were made by, um, perhaps by a farmer, or by a carpenter. Jesus was a carpenter. I can imagine that he made many a yoke in his day. And they were roughed out um, generally, but then the yoke was um, fine-tuned to the particular animals that would be wearing it. And typically a yoke would, would link two um, oxen together, and uh, there would be one on one side and one on the other. And uh, the... Each side would be shaped by the tools of a carpenter so that it would fit the body of that animal and not create abrasions and things that would um, uh, negatively impact the work of that animal. So Jesus is saying, my yoke is suitable. In other words, when you take my yoke upon you, it's meant for you. I've designed it for you. And and it's just right for you. And then my burden is light. One thing that was often done in uh, particularly training young animals to um, plow, let's say, in a yoke, is they would put a, an inexperienced animal with an experienced animal. And at first, the inexperienced animal doesn't, know what's going on. But by being yoked to a more experienced animal, it understands then how to take the steps and how to pull and all of that. And at first, the, the experienced animal is, is pulling most of the load. The other animal doesn't really get it yet. And that's kind of how it is with us. The burden is light, not because God doesn't give us heavy loads to, to pull and to carry, but it's because he's on the other side of the yoke. And he's doing most of the pulling. I remember when we were building our house in Wisconsin, our kids were young at the time, and our boys would like to help in the process, and our daughter, and... Uh, Sometimes they would say, well, they'd see me carrying lumber and they'd say, well, dad, can I help you? I want to help you carry that. And 
I knew that they couldn't do it. They couldn't even do a half of, of the load that I was carrying. And I'd say, sure, come and you can help me. And what I'd do is I'd, I'd carry at a certain point on the lumber so that their part would be, you know, maybe uh, a fourth of the weight and I would be carrying three-fourths of the weight, but they would be helping me. That's kind of how it is when we come to Jesus, weary and burdened, and we receive his rest, and we take his yoke upon us, we, we submit to his authority, but we also get in that yoke with him on the other side. And the yoke fits because it's been designed that way for us. And, and we, we pull these heavy loads and we get through them and we say, how did I ever do that? You know, we didn't do it. He was on the other side and he was carrying most of the weight. So I'd like for us to read this saying one more time and uh, it goes like this, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Would you pray with me? Lord, I pray that everyone who has been part of this study this morning will experience your rest. That you will give us the courage to come to you, not to be afraid of coming under your yoke, that is submitting ourselves to your authority knowing that you are gentle and humble in heart. And knowing that your yoke is easy, it's suitable, it's been designed for us, and that you're on the other side. And therefore, the burden is light because you're helping to pull the load. Help us to learn how to work in a yoke with you. I pray in Jesus' name.